Well, they did it again. And can we say that we're actually surprised? I don't think so at this time around. The Bank of Canada raised rates. So today I'm going to break down for you guys in a solo cast exactly what to expect, what's going on. But more importantly, we're going to take a trip around the mortgage world and talk about some stats, some things you need to know. If you're at all involved in the mortgage space, the real estate space, or a real estate agent or a client, you're going to want to listen to exactly everything I have to talk about today. It's going to impact you. And there's some things that you're going to want to know. It's Alex McFadden here. I'm looking forward to having a solo cast episode and I would love some feedback. So if you're loving the show, make sure to rate and review us on Spotify, on iTunes. Find me on Instagram directly at The Mortgage Pug. I look forward to seeing you guys there. I hope you enjoyed this episode. It was a fun one. We'll see you on the other side. What's up, guys? You are listening to the YBR Remo Show, where we talk all things Vancouver real estate and mortgages, take boring topics, and make them interesting. Make sure to stay tuned to listen to everything you need to know how to put cash back in your pocket, create wealth in real estate, and simplify the complicated. Where does that leave us today with the Bank of Canada? Let's break it all down and talk about who it impacts and what quite possibly could be going on going forwards. The Bank of Canada raised rates by a half percent. This is the second time in a row where the bank has raised rates by a half percent, matching the increase back on October 26th of the same year. So twice in a row, we've seen the bank go with a half percent. And this is interesting and notable because back in October, a lot of the pundits out there were suggesting that they should have raised rates by three quarters and then had a smaller jump at this point. Now, we don't know for sure if they had gone three quarters at that time, would they have gone a half now or would it have been more or less? But here's where we are today. So at in October 26, we were sitting at 3.75% for the overnight rate. We're now sitting at 4.25, which is notable because that represents a 4% increase from the start of this year. 4%. We had people come on the podcast at the beginning of the year talking specifically about their predictions. And we also talked about the predictions because we had them in front of us at the time. And, and I spoke quite bluntly about here's the worst case predictions that we saw. And, and in the looking back at that, because I've looked back at those predictions and looked back at some of those articles, the worst case scenarios from almost everyone was two and a half percent increase above where we were, which would put us at 2.75. Now, were they blind to what happened? Could they have looked at things differently? Maybe, but we also, you know, we've talked about this in the past in podcasts. We also saw things that could not have been expected or calculated. China completely shutting down again, oil prices going through the roof. And of course, the war in Ukraine having a massive impact. In addition to that, the supply shortages have continued and continued and continued. But where we stand today is that, you know, those things have occurred. Those things have happened. But where we are at at this point right now is that that has caused a spiraling effect on inflation, not just in Canada, but in many places across the world, including the United States, where essentially we've seen increases in uh, incomes across the board. We're seeing goods go up in price. There have been so many news articles talking about the cost of food, the cost of trips, the cost of travel, the cost of everything going up. And we're in the state right now where, well, we're trying to, again, continue to push back. Now, there's got to be some positivity from all this. But before we get into that, let's talk about some of those stats really quickly. So the prime rates will now be around 6.45% with most banks. This doesn't include TD Bank mortgages because they sit at a higher uh, prime rate. But 645 will be the norm. So if you're calculating a discount of a half percent, that puts you at 5.95% today. That's interesting for a few reasons. Number one, this is the seventh rate hike in 2022. 
In addition to that, this represents a point where we're seeing for the first time in a long time, variable interest rates being higher than fixed rates. Not something that will likely continue forever, but it is very unique. We haven't seen this for, in most situations, 50 years, right? Since 2008 was the last time we reasonably saw that. Now, what they said was interesting too. The bank said that this is likely, and again, they won't say these things, so we're kind of reading between the lines, but they've indicated that this would likely be the last oversized rate hike, oversized meaning more than a quarter point uh, rate hike, but of course, they won't guarantee that to be the case. They did have some interesting ways of phrasing things this time where they suggested that they might be considering increasing rates going forward as opposed to in the past where it was more about judging to. So the sentiment has changed from one of, yes, we will be absolutely raising rates going forward to one of, we will consider it. Now, looking at inflation and where things are at, it wouldn't be shocking or surprising to see rates go up another quarter percent in January and hold steady throughout the spring. As far as what happens beyond that, I mean, it is everyone's and anyone's best guess. If we fall into a situation where inflation, where a recession comes into play, well, when recessions happen, typically the banks lower interest rates to get the economy moving again. The question mark is reasonably how hard of a recession and when that happens. So looking at that, what's been the impact on the market? It's been absolutely notable. I mean, a few key things, people were taking variable rate mortgages to help them qualify for more all the way up until December 7th. This is the first time that that will change, as we mentioned before, since the stress test has come into effect. We'll talk about the stress test more later and whether there should be some changes at that front, but this is really notable because people were going specifically into variable rates to qualify for more. Now, the typical fixed rate mortgage is actually lower than what we're seeing on the variable rate side, which is interesting and notable because, well, people were going variable partially because that's how they qualified. Now, they're almost forced into a fixed interest rate, which isn't necessarily a good thing either, but something to be notable about. In the past, when interest rates were increasing, we also saw a large reduction in what people's maximum borrowing power was. Well, we don't see that this time. We don't see a massive reduction. In some situations, in unique situations, there may be a slight reduction say 2.5%, which is about 2,500 per 100 grand. But that's not much. And in most circumstances, no longer the case, because if you could get a fixed rate for lower, you can qualify for less. Which brings us to the conversation about house prices. House prices on the benchmark are down nearly 10% nationwide. And in some cities, we've seen up to you know 20% in, in, in different cities and different areas. This podcast is mostly Vancouver-based, but we talk to people all over BC, Alberta, and in some cases, Toronto, there have been some areas like Chilliwack, BC, for example, where they've seen the average price jump and drop. They've seen the average drop by as much as 20 plus percent. Detached houses, no less. Stories of detached houses with suites that were selling for $1.1 million going down to $800,000, which is absolutely incredible. But what does this really mean going forward? The interesting thing is, although now qualification is not impacted, it's all about consumer sentiment. I think a smart borrower or a smart investor realizes that this is probably not only the best opportunity to get into the market in the last five years, but probably the same for the next five years. But do people notice that? And how long does consumer confidence come to take to come back? That will be a key question. Now, there's some other interesting factors to consider here. For people who are at renewal in the next 3, 6, 12 months, they could be having trouble qualifying. People with alternative loans, 
anybody who waits to the last moment is likely going to be offered something that's not going to be as good as they could have got otherwise, which is a really big consideration. Like you have to think about that. What's that going to look like from a lifestyle perspective? We're also now seeing those who have rental properties that were maybe cash flowing before and then became cash negative in an even more cash negative position. So what are those people doing? One thing that you need to think about if that's your position and you're in that standpoint is think about the long term. Of course, think about the next 12, 18, 24, 3, 4, 5 years before making a rash decision. But some people out there are not thinking that far ahead and they're just selling off properties at either a loss or a massive discount as opposed to riding out the storm. There's so many different things that people can do. They can refinance. They can get access to a home equity line of credit. They could set up a private second mortgage. There's a lot of things that people can do. But you know, fear typically takes over. And that's the biggest concern that people need to be thinking about is when does fear take over and what does that look like? Again, as a buyer, as an investor, this represents an opportunity. As a uh, homeowner or someone who owns right now, that's something that you have to be really conscious of. So that's where we're at with regards to the Bank of Canada and what's going on. Fixed rates today are ranging anywhere from the on the high ratio, which is less than 20% down. We've seen them drop to as low as 4.75% to five and a half percent with the big banks actually raising rates in spite of the fact that the bond yields have dropped which is really interesting conventional mortgages rates are anywhere from about 5.5 to six and a quarter again with some banks pushing the opposite direction and increasing rates right now whereas others are lowering there's a lot of stuff happening right now and a lot of things going on to cut off some of the simple stuff if you have an arm an adjustable rate mortgage you need to know that you're going to be paying an extra 30 bucks for 100 grand right now uh, and if you have a fixed payment mortgage, you've probably already passed your trigger rate, which means no longer are you paying principal. So you've got some simple options there. But one thing to think about before you go ahead and lock in or before you go ahead and increase your payment is if you increase your payment, what that's going to do is it's going to negatively impact your ability to qualify. So think about that if you ever want to buy a second home or if you want to buy an investment property in the near future, because that's going to reduce how much you can qualify for. One thing you can consider in the meantime is to look at doing lump sums or schedule lump sums. You can do this on a weekly basis, monthly basis, bi-monthly, up to you. But that's one way you can look at stemming the tide. Some banks, and particularly credit unions, are going to be a little bit more harsh and be asking people to actually make sure to increase their payment and not giving them an option or reset the amortization. So there's a lot of stuff at play right now, and every bank's taking it differently. So what we do suggest is make sure to obviously reach out to the bank, find out what your options are. And then if you're one of our clients or you'd like to be one of our clients, just email me and we'll look at the different options available to you. That's the Bank of Canada. And, you know, that's a little bit dark and scary and serious and all that kind of fun stuff. But, hey, it's the nature of where we're at. Where we at. And if you believe, like me, that this is an incredible opportunity, then definitely start the conversation early. One of the biggest things that I've been hearing in the past few months is I'm waiting till spring. I'm waiting till spring. I'm waiting till spring. So if everybody waits till spring to buy real estate. Essentially, that means that they're going to get a lot of people that jump in at the same time. And while I don't think interest rates are going to come off a cliff at all during that timeline, we could see a bigger rush back to the market in the spring. Tough to say because the opposite could occur. And because people are having a hard time qualifying, it could limit that option. So let's move on. Let's talk about some other big things that are going on. One other massive topic uh, now that the Bank of Canada has done this is actually about the stress test and how people qualify. We have to remember that people qualify based on the rate that you're getting plus 2%. So if an interest rate is 5.75%, you have to qualify at 7.75%, which represents a 2.5% increase over the previous contract rate of five and a quarter. That is a massive reduction in how much people can qualify for, and it's really having an impact on the market. So what's really interesting is in the next couple of days, OSFI, which is the governing body 
of the uh, financial institutions in Canada is going to make a decision on one of the most most important rates in the qualifying business, which is the stress test. They're evaluating it whether or not, basically, they're, they're considering things like whether or not potential interest rate moves could happen over the next five years and what that looks like. Could they loosen the qualifying rate? And if they do, does that mean there could be more likely or less likely a recession? What does it look like from a monetary stand, policy standpoint? And should they follow the monetary policy? And they're obviously looking at industry feedback, which is really interesting because in this time when the stress test has actually saved a lot of people, it's very unlikely that the OSPI will make a change and make an adjustment, even though there are a lot of pushbacks from industry leaders like Scotiabank's head, John Webster and MCAP, which is a, a mortgage finance company. These guys are pushing back really hard and saying, OK, we're at the point where people are having to qualify at seven and a half, eight and a half percent, which is negatively impacting their, their ability to, to do so and putting them in a worse position. Of course, this is specifically for people who are at renewal. So, of course, there's a lot of different considerations, but we can't deny the fact that the stress test has worked to a degree. It'll be interesting to see what happens there. And when it happens, you'll be hearing about it here first, because we'll break it down and talk about exactly what it means for uh, the stress test to change and how it impacts consumers, which is really interesting. All right, other topics. What else is happening around the economic and real estate front? Inflation. We actually see inflation looking like it might be calming down, slowing down. There's a lot of indications that this is actually occurring and although we had exceptionally strong employment numbers, by the end of Q1 of next year, they're anticipating that we'll see much lower employment numbers, basically less people getting work. And while we don't necessarily want to cheer that on, we do have to keep in mind that's actually a good thing when it comes to the economy and inflation overall, because there's less money spread around, which means there's less reason to raise rates and more reason to actually lower them. The real timeline that most of these economists are looking at is March of 2023, which is essentially the one-year mark of the anniversary of making the first rate increase. So it'll be really curious to see what actually happens during that timeline and how it actually impacts everyone if, in fact, uh, the unemployment stats do come in low in spring of next year. In the meantime, I'm suggesting everyone be prepared for probably another year of higher interest rates before we see any real uh, pushback. So what types of options should you be considering right now and, and where should you look? A thought process here and a way to think about the market is that timing the market is exceptionally difficult and bad luck can offset good planning. That's not a quote from me. That's one that I read, but I loved it and it resonated with me. My thought process there is that we know that like most considerations, mortgages are quite simply a numbers game. And over the long run, there's certain things that can actually occur more frequently than others, like variables outperforming fixed rates in the long term. But we're in a really unique environment right now. And the thought process is, what is the risk and the reward of doing so? As an example, there are many thinking that a one-year fixed, because there's a value proposition here, would be a great decision with interest rates looking to increase could we see interest rates come down 12 months from now to the point where it makes sense to commit for another year and then continue to do so? The drawback is that, well, we could see interest rates continue to climb and hold high for the next year, putting you in a worse off position. So we're seeing a really interesting um, change right now where instead of people taking the typical five-year fix, we're seeing more and more and more people consider shorter terms, one, two, or three years, even though the interest rates are a little bit higher. The thought process, again, is really simple. With the lower term lengths, with the shorter term lengths, you've got a little bit less risk of holding rates for quite as long. 
A lot of things to consider up in the air as far as where rates are going and what's happening, but uh, that's some pretty interesting stuff. So some other stats in the mortgage world, because I know people love to know what's happening in the market. Um, this is from TransUnion year-over-year data comparing Q3 2021. So that's basically looking at September, fall of 2021 to today. Mortgage originations, this means new mortgage applications are down by 13% with balances up by 11.7%. In terms of actual new mortgage balances, the average balance in the country is 402925 And what's most interesting is despite higher interest rates, the amount of delinquency is actually down. People are paying off their mortgages, which is exceptionally interesting. Whether or not that actually happens and you know distressed borrowers start uh, defaulting based on the trigger rates hitting, we'll be curious to see. But the reality is people in Canadians in particular pay off their mortgages first. So all of those people out there thinking that you're going to see a ton of foreclosures, well, I wouldn't be so uh, excited about that prospect because I mean, the reality is most people pay off their mortgage more than almost any other debt. But if you're in that position where you're wondering, hey, I'm getting close to foreclosure, just remember there are other options to consider. And if you talk to a pro, they do have different types of solutions. So looking back at all of what we just mentioned here and a lot of what we covered, there's a lot happening at play right now and we're in a very uncertain time. The good news, again, if you own real estate, you own a property, you own an investment, you are in it for the long haul, you'll be just fine. Uh, for others that are concerned about where things are going, they should be consulting and having clear conversations and getting a clear handle on their existing budget more than anything else. But let's look at some interesting stats here before we close it off. Some things to think about. If you look at mortgage rates by historical standards or even standards of 15, 20 years ago, believe it or not, they're actually not high. But I mean, that would be pretty comforting if it weren't for the fact that five-year fixed rates were actually 36% above the 20-year uh, average and cost of living is exceptionally high. But we do want to remember that the reality is mortgage rates are somewhere around what would be considered a norm. They're not actually that high. It's the concern of can people qualify because people have shown that they can debt service it, but can they qualify to buy the property? My suggestion here is that over the long term, I think the next six to 12 months will tell us pretty much everything we need to know. And if you're a person that's looking for value, if you're the kind of person that's waiting for that discount, you're probably seeing it right now. And so analyze your financial situation, look at your options, reach out, look at your qualification, and let's see what we can do for you. SoloCast, I hope you loved it today. Give us some feedback. If you're looking to reach out to me directly, you can find me on Instagram at The Mortgage Pug. That's me directly, Alex McFadden. If you're looking for the team at Thrive Mortgage Co., at the YBR Remo show is where we are on Instagram. And if you love the podcast, leave us a five-star review. This is a little bit unique doing the solo cast. So I would love the direct message. And if you're going to share with friends and family, tag me, let me know. Thanks for joining. As always, hope you're loving the show. I'll see you next time.